whenever I am tempted to be bitter. And yes, it happens in life. Things happen to me. And as I mentioned uh, last week, when something happens to my wife or my children, that is particularly difficult for me to deal with. I am a protector by nature. And I don't like it when my children or my wife are hurt. And so I struggle with that in my spirit. And the question is, what do we do with that? Well, when I'm tempted to be bitter, I remember a story that I read many years ago in a book that was telling the story from a son's perspective. The son had gone to the hometown of his father, where his father was raised, where his ancestors had lived. It was a town in Sicily. And as he went there, he spent some time just to understand the culture, to understand the people, to better understand his father, to better understand his own life. And as he was there, he saw this very old woman who every day made a very slow trip from her home to the local cemetery. Now this woman was very old, was not very nimble, and it took her about six hours to make that round trip. She, she walked, according to the author, at a turtle's pace. And so imagine that, every day, rain or shine, this woman would make the track from her home to this cemetery. And so he was very, he was very interested to know her story. What kind of loss had he, she experienced? That she was so committed to this. And then to his surprise, he discovered this. The person who was buried in that cemetery, the person whose grave she visited every day, was not a loved one, it was her arch enemy. And she would make that track every day just so that she could spit on this woman's grave again. Now I want you to imagine the kind of commitment that it takes to make a six-hour round trip every day just to spit on someone's grave. What I realized when I read that is the power of bitterness. And I made a commitment in my life that I did not want that to be a part of my reality. I did not want that to be a part of my life. And so friends, we're doing a series in which we are talking about how it is that we can experience authentic relationships with one another. We've looked at many different aspects in the past week of what authentic love looks like from a biblical perspective. And what we've talked about is even in the first week, we talked about what biblical love is, and we saw how different biblical love is from the kind of love that is presented to us and modeled to us in our own world. We are not to love as the world loves. It takes courage to love as Jesus loves us. Last week, we began to look at the issue of forgiveness. And what we saw is that the command of God is that we forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And so last week, if you weren't here, we talked about what that love looks like. Very different from what most of us think about when we think about forgiveness. 
And so what we see, what we saw last week is we are to forgive as Christ forgives us. And we gave you a definition biblically of what that looks like in our human relationships. Now the reality is, the very next question, that is, what do I do when somebody is not sorry for what they've done to us? What do I do when someone hurts me and they have no desire to be restored, no re desire to be reconciled? What do I do with that pain and that hurt when I can't reconcile with that person? Maybe that person has passed away. Maybe that person, I, I can't even find them today if I wanted to. What do I do with that pain? What do I do with that hurt? And that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to see what God has to say about bitterness. And what I want to do is I want to share with you a process that I go through when I am hurt. Because here's the reality. You are going to be hurt in life. And sometimes you're going to be hurt by the very people that, should, uh, that you most trust. And that's when it's particularly pain. I've been a pastor long enough to know the hurt and what hurt can do in the hearts and lives of people. And so friends, what I want to do is I want to begin by laying out for you the foundation. I'm going to do this very quickly. Three things I want to mention as we talk about the issue of, of bitterness and getting free from bitterness. And when I talk about this, I'm going to do it very quickly, but these three things are critical. What I want to share this morning is, comes from 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 is what we call the love chapter, right? And for those of you who are married, chances are 1 Corinthians 13 was preached at your wedding. Now, this is not a wedding, a marriage passage. It's a Christian community passage. It lays out for us how we are to live among one another. And so it defines love for us. Whoa, I'm moving. Okay, that was me. Sorry about that. I'm going to add... Uh, can, uh, Anthony, can, there you go. Thank you, Anthony. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's what love is. Love forgives. Now, friends, when it says love keeps no record of wrongs, I love that statement. My training was as an accountant. I was a CPA for, for some years before I went into ministry. And I love the idea of accounting. Everything has its place. Now, in business, you want to account for every transaction Every activity, you want to account for it because you need to have a record of what has happened in the company if you're going to make good decisions for the future. Here's what God is saying. What is good for business is not good for human relationships. This was a business term of the day. 
When the Apostle Paul wrote these words, this was a business term. What he's saying again is, what is good for business is not good for human relationships. Love keeps no record of wrongs. In other words, when somebody hurts me, when somebody lets me down, when somebody disappoints me, I don't record that so that I can always go back to it and remember what they have done to me. What I do is I make a decision that what they have done to me will not have power over me. Now, hopefully there can be repentance and reconciliation. But that's not always possible. Sometimes there might be, they might come to you and ask you to forgive them, but it's really hard for you to let it go because the pain is so deep within you. It's so hard. I've seen in relationships, and we learn this as children, that when we're hurt, we want to strike back. It's our sinful nature. When we're disappointed, when we're let down, we want to strike back in whatever way because we have been hurt. Friends, we continue that even as adults. We just get more sophisticated in the way that we do it. So this morning, what I want to talk about is how do we deal? How do we deal with the issue of bitterness in our hearts and in our lives? Well, here are three foundational things I want you to see. Number one, humility is critical to dealing with this issue of bitterness and forgiveness. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. When we promote our own needs, when we promote ourselves, then it becomes very difficult to deal with the hurts of life. Without humility, there cannot be forgiveness and reconciliation. Humility has to be on both sides, both parties. I'm sorry for what I did takes humility. I forgive you for what you have done requires humility. It also requires love. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. Remember our definition of love. Love is being willing to give up what you want for you to give to the other what God wants for them. And so we need to process through that definition of love as we're dealing with the issue of our own pain. Now, it is proper to share with somebody how they have hurt us because they need to understand in order to grow. But my motivation for doing it is not to attack them, is not to force them to apologize, but is wanting what is best for them. I want you to grow through this. I want you to understand so you don't do this again. And so it comes out of love. And third, it's to be bathed in prayer. To be bathed in prayer. It has to come out of prayer. We pray for God's healing hand upon people. We pray for God to open the hearts of people. We pray for our own hearts. Lord, protect me from anger. Protect me from bitterness. I do not want this to become a part of my life. So after laying that foundation, here are steps that I take in my own life that I have learned over the years biblically that I want to share with you. Because friends, I've had to deal with this issue. And I want to say to you, I have experienced great victory, not complete victory, but great victory in my life when it comes to the issue of bitterness. 
But it's taken time, and it's taken growth. It's taken the work of the Spirit in my heart to transform me. So here's the first thing that I want you to, um, that I want you to see. And that's just the passage on prayer. But here's what I want you to see. Number one, come to grips with, with the reality of your own debt that the Lord has already canceled. Come to grips with the depth of your own sin that the Lord has already forgiven. Come to grips with the forgiveness of Christ, what he has done for you. And when you understand the depth of the, of the debt that Christ has canceled, it becomes easier for you then to cancel the debt of others. This is, comes from Matthew 18. It's an amazing story that Jesus tells, what we call a parable. Here's the parable. A man who owes uh, just an incredible debt. One that could never, ever be repaid. It's well beyond what, what any human being could ever repay. And the servant goes to the master and he owes him all this money. And he begs the master to forgive his debt. The master, out of grace and kindness and mercy, forgives the debt. He forgives the incredible debt that is owed. And that servant then goes out and he finds a man who owes him just a little bit of money. And the man says to the servant, I can't repay you. And he says, the servant says to the man, if you don't repay me, I'm going to throw you into prison. Well, then he comes back. The master calls this servant back in. And here's what he said. You wicked servant, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Wow. What is he saying? He's saying, imagine the debt, acknowledge the debt of your own sin that Christ has forgiven. When I, the more that I grow in my life, the more I mature in my life, the more I understand the depth of my sin, the depth of my brokenness, the more I understand what Christ has died for in my life. When I understand the enormity of my sin, my debt that was paid by Jesus, the easier it is for me to extend mercy and grace to others who have hurt me. There is great power in this story. I would encourage you to, to read it. I want to share um, a story that is told by Beth Moore. Beth Moore is a author and a teacher, um, particularly for women's ministries, and she <coughs> shares this story. She was watching an evening talk show, and on this talk show were uh, parents, a mother and a father, and a young man who looked to be about 17 or 18. And this young man had killed their son. He got drunk. And while he was intoxicated, he drove. And he hit their son and killed him. This mother and father explained that they had offered this young man 
who had taken the life of their son. They had offered him forgiveness. They got even beyond that. They had invited him to live with them in their home. They fed him. He sat at the very seat that their son had sat at. He slept in the bed that their son had slept in. Now, she, Beth Moore was overwhelmed by this story. She said this, the interviewer was amazed, I was amazed, you are probably amazed. I kept trying to put myself, hear this, I kept trying to put myself in the parent's position, but I could not. Then as the tears streamed down my cheeks, I heard the Spirit of God whisper to my heart and say, no wonder you cannot relate. You have put yourself in the wrong position. You, my child, are the driver. She says this, God was the parent who not only forgave, but also invited me to sit at his table in the space my Savior left for me. Friends, that is a powerful image. Often we look at it from the wrong direction. All we can see is the hurt that we have experienced instead of seeing the forgiveness and mercy of Christ that has so filled my heart that mercy and forgiveness overflows. Here's a second thing that I want you to see. And that is never justify bitterness. Now friends, I'm going to tell you that bitterness is in the category of sins that are most easily defended and justified. I know that's true because I do it. I know that's true because I've done it. It's in that category of sin because we tell our story to someone and they say, oh my gosh, that's terrible. Yes, it's terrible. And when people hear it, what they do is they end up encouraging our bitterness. They end up feeding our anger. And we receive that as encouragement. But listen to what the Bible says. It says, get rid of all bitterness. Flip, uh, Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness. If you have your own Bibles, underline that and circle the word all. He doesn't say get rid of most of your bitterness. He does not say get rid of some of your bitterness. He says get rid of all of your bitterness. Your rage and your anger, your brawling and your slander, along with every form of malice. Bitterness leads to division. Bitterness leads to malice. Bitterness leads to anger. Instead, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just in as in Christ, God forgave you. You see, bitterness is one of those things that we can easily justify and defend. And as you'll see in a moment, we think that bitterness is necessary for us. I'll describe that in just a moment. We justify it and we defend it when biblically we are not to allow bitterness to be a part of our hearts, be a part of our minds, be a part of our spirit. It is not to be there. We are to rid ourselves of all bitterness. Now, here's what the Bible goes on to say. He says that we are to destroy the root of bitterness. 
We are to destroy the root of bitterness. What is the root? Well, here's what happens. I get hurt. I start to play it in my head. I start to see where I was wronged. And that, and, and that anger starts to grow in me. The longer you go without dealing with that issue, the deeper the root of bitterness grows in your heart and in your mind. And it begins to take over our lives. Listen to what we read in Hebrews 12. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. This is why the Bible says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Because the longer we allow that hurt to go unchecked, to go unresolved, the deeper the root grows and the broader it gets. It gets bigger, it gets broader, and it takes over our lives. Let no bitter root grow in you. You see, friends, the longer you go without dealing with the bitterness, the more pervasive it becomes. But it's not impossible to root out. With God, all things are possible. Amen? And I know some of you have a hurt that goes back many years. It may go back to your childhood. You have hurts that go back many, many years in your life. That bitter root can be destroyed by the power of the one who intercedes for you at the right hand of God the Father. But we need to participate in that process and God can set you free. Here is the next thing that I want you to see. And this is one that has been very big in my life for many years. Trust that ultimate justice is in the hands of God. Trust that ultimate justice is in the hands of our God. We are made and created in the image of God. All of us. Now, that doesn't mean physically we look like God. What matters is our character, our spirit, and our nature. God created us in his image. God is a God of love. We were made in his image. God is also a God of justice. We were made in his image. We have a deep desire for justice now because we are made in the image of God. But here's the problem. Just as love has been tainted by sin, so has justice <coughs> been tainted by sin. We do not have the purity of justice that God has. And we need to understand that because bitterness and lack of forgiveness comes out of a desire for justice. You will not see justice in this lifetime. You will not see perfect justice in this lifetime. We don't see it in our judicial system. 
We don't see it in our relationships. We live in a broken, fallen, sinful world. But I'm made in God's image, so I want justice. I believe, biblically, that what happens is my bitterness is the disappointment and frustration with not being able to experience justice in a circumstance, in a situation. Now, I love this passage from 2 Timothy 4.14, and you're going to see in a moment, it's not alone. Paul writes, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. I believe Paul just released it. Alexander did me a great deal of harm. What did he do? We don't know. We don't know. Maybe he feigned friendship to Paul, and then he turned him over to the authorities. Maybe he just worked against the purposes of Paul. Maybe he spread rumors about Paul. We don't know. But listen to what it says. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. That's all I need to know. I don't need justice in this world because there will be ultimate justice. God sits on the throne of the universe. Everybody will stand before him. God will deal with it. So if I do everything that I can and still I do not experience justice, I do not allow bitterness to become a part of my heart and a part of my life. Why? I don't need it. God will deal with that. And I am going to entrust God with that hurt, with that injustice. I am not going to stand in his place. I'm going to entrust him with it. Friends, this is what faith is. Faith is believing the future promises of God. The future promise of God is that we will all stand before him in judgment. I do not need to worry about that. I do not need to deal with that. I do not need to resolve that. Now, I try in this lifetime because that's what's best for everybody. That's where peace is going to be found. But the reality is I may not find justice. In fact, I would share with you most often you may not. And I leave it in the hands of God. And I entrust it to him. Here's the fourth thing I want you to say, see, and that is resolve that you will not take revenge. Listen to what it says in Romans 12. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the, hands, in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. See, we see it again. Leave room for God's wrath. Leave room for God to deal with that issue. Trust him. He is faithful. Trust him. It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So he's talking here about not seeking revenge. Now, when we think of revenge, we tend to think of Hollywood revenge. 
Well, it may not be Hollywood revenge. It may be something like we see on a playground among friends. You said something mean to me, so I'm going to say something mean to you. You did something mean. You were hanging out with that person instead of hanging out with me. So I'm going to turn my back on you and I'm going to ignore you. I see this in marriage all the time. I call it the tit for tat. You don't do this for me. You don't meet my need. I'm not going to meet your need. Where does that lead? Bitterness, resentment, and a lack of sacrifice, and a lack of willingness to serve the other person. You see, regardless of whether your spouse gives you what you want, you still serve them. You still love them. Because to do anything else, really, literally, is revenge, isn't it? That's all it is. That's not how God wants us to live. And if it's a tit for tat, you hurt me, I hurt you, you hurt me, I hurt you, we just go down and down and down. And to bring it back the other way can be very difficult because it takes love and humility and prayer. Because you have to surrender yourself and say, you know what, it doesn't matter what you've said to me, it doesn't matter what you've done to me, I am going to respond in a manner that honors Christ. And I choose to love you anyways. See, that's what it says, because it goes on to say, to proactively practice love. To proactively practice love. Instead of revenge, we are to practice love. Listen to what Jesus says. Uh, Paul says here, if your enemy is hungry, what does it say? Feed him. What? If my enemy is hungry, feed him? What are you saying here? If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. Overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with love. Overcome evil with kindness. Overcome evil. Now, what, what, what is he saying here when he talks about heaping burning coals on their head? Oh, that sounds good, doesn't it? Here's what it means. It will pierce their conscience. It will pierce their conscience. Because when somebody hurts me and I hurt them back, now we're both angry, we're both hurt, and we're striking at each other, and we feel that we're righteous in doing that. But when this person hurts me and I respond with proactive love, they're like, whoa, I don't know what to do with this. And the walls come down. So often I see this. The walls come down, and hey, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done what I did to you. Because the walls come down. We're no longer enemies. And this needs to happen in the church of Jesus Christ. We need to practice this in our homes. We need to practice this with one another. And then the last point I want to make is this. Count the cost of bitterness. Count the cost of bitterness. I just want to say this. You see this in Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. What does that mean? It means live as I've created you to live. Live as I've made you to live. Follow my word. Live as I created you to live. And what are you going to find? You're going to find that Jesus is gentle and humble. And you're going to find rest for your souls. Don't you hunger for that? He says this, my yoke, my desire for you, my life for you is easy. The burden I give to you is natural and it's light. 
the way to peace is forgiveness, is restoration, it's reconciliation. And if that's not possible, it's choosing not to become a victim over and over and over again. Because I've not been able to deal with the hurt that I feel in my spirit and in my heart. Bitterness builds walls. It destroys relationships because it builds walls in future relationships. Because I have that baggage that I bring in and it, it, I've got a wall here and I keep you at a distance because I don't want to get hurt again. Because I'm bitter, I've not resolved it. It hurts me spiritually because I am to get rid of all bitterness. And if I don't, it creates, it fractures my relationship with God because I'm living with this thing that he has called me to rid myself of. It affects me physically. I, I, and I, I, you just should Google it yourself, but I read articles about it, how it, um, bitterness robs you of energy. It taxes and destroys your immune system. It causes you to lose sleep. It raises your blood pressure. It does all these things to you physically that you don't want. And emotionally, bitterness leads to anxiety and depression. It's not our friend. But we hold on to it because we're afraid if I give up that bitterness, then I'll never find justice. I don't have to worry about justice because that's not my job, it's God's job. And so I'm going to trust him. If I can't reconcile, if I can't figure out a way to be, to be healed in this relationship because the other person won't take responsibility. I don't have to hold on to it because that's God's business, not mine. And there's freedom in this, friends. I know because I've experienced it. I know because I've lived it. I'm going to close with this story. Um, we have a great pastor who is, um, who is part of our, um, he's part of our, the leadership summit that we do every year here at Cross Point. And it, I just encourage you to be a part of it. It's the first Thursday and Friday of August. The guy who now leads this, or is the face of the leadership summit, is an incredible pastor named Craig Grishel. And every time Craig preaches or teaches, man, I just love to listen to this man. He's amazing. He's amazing. But he talks about this incredible struggle that he's had in his life. And it started when it became public that a sixth grade teacher named Max had molested some of the girls, including Craig's own sister. And he says that, he says this, he says, I remember trying to absorb the painful truth. How could I respond? Should we track him down, have him arrested? beat the life out of him. Make no mistake, I was furious the moment that I heard about his abuse. But the more I thought about it, my anger blossomed into rage. The seeds of bitterness planted in my heart grew to a full-blown briar patch of revenge. I prayed that Max would suffer eternally in hell. I vowed to make him suffer on earth before he faced God's judgment. My, my plan for revenge wasn't necessary. To my delight, we found that Max was suffering in a hospital, fighting for his life. I remember thanking God for his justice. Thanking God for his justice and giving Max what he deserved. Most of you would agree that my bitterness toward Max was justifiable. 
But no matter how justifiable my feelings were in God's eyes, my self-righteous hatred was just as sinful as Max's crime. Even writing that statement all these years later remains difficult. How could my desire for justice be considered as sinful as this monster's actions? The vast majority of people would agree that my hate and judgmental rage were more than justified. In the course of time, however, I learned that bitterness never draws us closer to God. I wanted Max to suffer, but I was punishing no one but myself and those around me who experienced the scalding spillovers of the acid churning inside me. Friends, that is a profound insight. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your meeting with us today. Thank you for your love for us. And Lord, my prayer today is for all who are struggling today with forgiveness. We're struggling with bitterness in circumstances where forgiveness has not been offered. And the pain and the hurt and the disappointment and the unfairness, Lord, it just, it just has gripped our life. Break the power of this hold on us. Set us free, Lord. Set us free by your truth. Set us free by your spirit. Set us free, we ask, by the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Heal our broken, hurting hearts that we may experience the freedom that only comes when we live as we were created to live for the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen.